Welcome back to another edition, a sparkling edition of the Thought Police. Um, we're all going on holiday pretty soon, so um, this might be the last one you hear from us for a bit, which yeah. is going to be completely and utterly um, up to date, if you like. Yes, because we're going to be just doing guest. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not going to pretend that we're looking into the future or anything yeah. like that. Um, but obviously, what we'll do is we'll put a couple of podcasts out which are not particularly time sensitive That's about right. stories about Fleet Street, stuff like that that yeah. you know we can talk about. But I want to talk to you about the power cut that we had last yeah, week, right? Amazing. Because I know that you're not particularly an eco warrior, are you? I mean, even well, though you drive a Volvo. I do my and, bit. Well, uh, I'm just about to get an electric car. So you said. I yeah. recycle a lot. Well, I'd be a bit worried about that if I were you, because it turns out... Yeah, right, it that, needs uh, electricity. Uh, one, it needs electricity, <laughs> and apparently the wind farm that was supposed to supply electricity to us yes. over the course of the weekend failed alongside a gas-fired power station, and both both of them failed, which meant that there were no trains going anywhere. It was amazing. There was no tubes going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, there was large swathes of northwest of England out of power, and large swathes of sort of not I think Norfolk, where yeah. uh, where you well, Ipswich, spend a bit of time. Ipswich Hospital yeah. lost its power, and right. also the backup generator failed. So they were running around Christ, for about half it? an hour, keeping yeah. people alive. I think you know? that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it does worry you, doesn't it? Because I used to say um, that the infrastructure of America, uh, whenever I go over there, I notice now, and I think we've talked about this before, it's kind of failing because so many of the train lines, so many of the kind of, you know, the things that you take for granted that you use every day, the roads are in bad shape because there isn't money, for, you know, the states mostly don't have any money to fix the roads, so there's potholes everywhere. You know, New York City has always been sort of semi-bankrupt anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I'm beginning to worry about what we have here because notwithstanding that Boris is going to build, you know, HS3, somewhere between Leeds and Manchester, we've got HS2 going on. A lot of our infrastructure is not very good. Well, they do say when, uh, I mean, literally when people start noticing potholes, yeah. that, that is a massive swing in people's view about politics. Right. And it, so it does come down to really basic things like, you know, the, the, the litter's not getting picked up in your street, there are holes in your street. Um, but the electricity failing isn't yeah. something you factor into your thought process well, it's not. at all. No, not since the 70s. and funnily enough, I was listening to somebody talking about electric cars the other day, and I'm and not against electric cars at all. I think you know, once everybody has an electric car, that would be great. But yeah. until that moment, what are they going to do when, for example, people who've got hybrid cars, which also still use some form of uh, you know electric uh, uh, fuel, fossil right. fuel yeah. as well? Um, you know, are they going to be exempt from congestion charging? I think are they, they are. Are they going to be? Yeah, but they might not be because yeah. they might say, "Well, hang on, you're still using, you know, something which you're yeah. not supposed to use." But also, they, I think the government have just announced in the last week they're going to put out more of these charging points, right? Yeah. And now those charging points you will have to pay for at some point. Yeah. And somebody else said to me, "What What are the government going to do about all the money they currently make from motorists buying yeah. petrol?" Well, because we know it's like ninety percent tax. Yeah. So they're going to have to start charging you, presumably. Well, they've already they've started rowing back already, because they used to be able to get a grant, I think, of 3,500 quid off a new car, right. electric car. Right. And I think from the last budget, it's now yeah, down to 1,000. Well, I, I, I got in just before for the 3,500 grand, which was Yeah, nice. but that still makes it some ludicrous it cost. It brought it down it? to 92,000. <laughs> 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 yeah, man of the people. Yeah. But um, oh, it was a joke, by the way. Yeah, yeah but, it's only um, 75. But, you know, this. I think you're right. I think uh, the costs will rise mm. as it becomes normal. But yeah. they've got to find a way of getting people like you and me. No, but they've also, yeah, but they've also got to find a way of making sure that there is enough power, haven't yes, they? Yes, yes. Because I'll tell you what it reminded me of. And I was actually in Sussex when I was reading all about how, you know, King's Cross Station's down... 
you know, it was like one of those doomsday scenarios where yeah. people were trapped on the Victoria Line in London with no light. Yeah. Nothing. Terrifying. Can you imagine what that was like? Yeah. I mean, it must have been a field day for all Look, the perverts, yeah. oh, you know, because God. I don't even want to think about that, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you've got um, so much at stake. Yeah. Because I was in America many years ago, if you remember, when they had their massive power outage on the whole of the East Coast. I do. And it happened somewhere up near Niagara. Right, with some big sort of you know pumping station or something up there, and the whole of New York City and the metropolitan area went out. I had just dropped off. I was overseeing my visiting my kids who at the time lived with their mother in Washington, right? So it was all. I used to drive so many miles. I'd drop them in Washington and drive back up yeah. to New Jersey to New York Airport, which was about a four hours drive or something. Um, and then I'd fly back. I was living in Scotland at the time um, to um, to uh, Glasgow from Newark, and I pulled my rental car into the sort of parking lot. And it was Hertz or something like that. And as I got in, I, normally there's a guy there with a computer and they check in your car and all that and you, you don't even have to go into the office. And I got out of the car and this guy was uh, saying to me, he said, I'm really sorry, we can't, um, we can't check you in at the moment. We, we haven't got any power. And I didn't really think much of it. I went, okay then, um, what shall I do? And they said, well, we don't know if we're going to get it back for a while. So, you know, we've got your credit card details. We'll just send you a, um, you know will send you a bit of bill. And I looked inside and I could see that the doors, and it was a really hot day, it was the middle of summer, yeah. so it was about 35 degrees. And I could see the doors were open, yeah. but it was all dark inside, right. right? So I sort of wandered over there, and then suddenly some guy put his loudspeaker on the radio, and they were talking, and there was 1010 Winds News, right? You know, you give me 20 minutes, we'll give you the world. And uh, I've never forgotten that. Every 20 minutes, I just did the same right. report. Right. It was right. amazing. And they were saying, there's this massive power outage, you know, the airports are down, you know, the subways are all down, everything's down. All the traffic lights are out, you know, yeah. elevators aren't working. And I'm going, Jesus, this is yeah. bad, you know. Yeah. So I said to the guy, um, so uh, are you still, like, taking people over to the terminal? I said, oh, what's happening? He said, well, we don't really know what's happening. Um, and we can't take you to the terminal. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, because the barrier's down. And there's no power to lift the And barrier? there's no power to lift. I said, well, can't I just drive through it? He yeah. just looks at me. Like, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. I said, well, how am I supposed to get over there? Yeah. He said, well, you have to walk. Walk. Because there's a monorail. But that was down that as was well. Down, yeah. and it's about like but three were they quarters still of a mile. No, nothing. So, everything, well, everything. But we didn't really know at yeah. that point. It literally just happened. It was like this happened a lot in the seventies, didn't it? You know. Well, I mean, I we remember to, my mum always having candles. Well, we used. To, well, that was because yeah. we had a three-day week. That right. was thanks to the great socialist movement of the trade unions who Modern decided that prosper. they wanted to. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Is yeah. a funny one, right? The other night on Twitter, some woman um, who's now become very famous. I think it went viral. Yeah. Partly as a result of me putting it out. She she said, my partner's invented um, a left-wing version of Monopoly. Yeah, come on. Oh, my God. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> and people were just, like, coming in with, you know, What's, well, that's great. What happens at the end is everybody bankrupt, you know. <laughs> it was just a massive piss-take. And all these people, I mean, like, if you looked at the lefties who were saying, oh, this is marvellous. Oh, I see you've used a union badge as the, you know, the, the marker. It was pathetic, you know. And it was like, what happens when you get to the train stations? Presumably they're all on strike, you know. <laughs> But no, that was that was the three day. That was when I gave yeah. up sugar, because that was the three. I was at school. It was a three day week, and we used to go to school for one morning a week. Yeah. That was it. But I because think we had no, we had no, um, we had no power. Yeah. No gas. Nothing. We went and played football on Wednesday afternoons. Wednesday morning went to school. That was it. But we spent the whole week looking in record shops. Mate, I bet you within. 25 years, mm. four-day weeks will be absolutely normal. A lot of people will be working three-day weeks because I just think there's not enough work for people. Why no, not? Well, the stuff gets more and more automated. Yeah. There's just not enough 
physical labour to do. Mm. So you can either get other jobs or you can work less. And I think there is a. But if you work less for less money, that's no use. No, I don't think we will work less for less money. I think there'll be the economy. If the economy stays the same size and grows because of automation, mm. there will be there'll be more tax coming in. There'll be more the the pool of money will be the same. Right. So there'll be. Or we could just keep borrowing it. They'll need to, or as borrowers yeah. seems to be quite happy to do. Well, everyone does. I mean, the fact that we but have, someone's you've got to borrow it off someone. Yeah, no, but you don't really. You, just, you, you must mean, do. Well, quantitative easing is about just making money. Making more money. It's just yeah, about... That drives inflation. They talk about the magic money tree. That is the fucking magic money tree because yeah. there literally is no extra money. Yeah. You just go, okay, here's an extra five billion and yeah. I just write it on a piece of paper and give it to you. Yeah. There's no actual five billion. But when you start doing that, then your credit rating as a nation collapses. And then doesn't you, matter. Then your inter- it does matter because then your interest rates on the money you're trying to buy... Listen, I'm the up. one that did economics at university. None of it matters. <laughs> it's all bollocks, right? You you end up giving it all to the Chinese. Which, I mean, the Chinese this now own. Is what they taught you at university? Yeah, no, it's all bollocks. It doesn't all... matter. So, what did you do? Well, with the, I worked years? out. I worked out very early on yeah. that all economic theory was simply that theory. Yeah, and that's all it is. Yeah, it's theory, and it's a prediction. Well, that doesn't mean you should disregard it completely. Well, what I'm saying is, is that all of the things that we've seen over the past three years should have taught you yeah. that when anybody gives you an absolute, says, "Oh, that can't happen," yeah. and then it does happen. You know, oh, you can't go into that much debt because then you'll you'll have yeah. no credit rating. We've seen Moody's, Standard & Poor, yeah. lowering our credit rating. And everybody in government goes, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with our place. And nothing changes. Well, if you take it onto a, like a personal basis, if you go out and buy, you know, you fancy a new sports yeah. car, you go out and buy it, you borrow the money, yeah. you can't pay it back. Yeah. You get a county court judgment yeah, against you, then right. you're fucked. Yeah, but you no. can't do that against the country, can you? Well, they can. Well, they did. Argentina, where I spent a lot of time mm. working, effectively. Yeah, but that's because it was Argentina. But they they um, they reneged on their bonds. Yeah. Right? They just said, we're not going to pay it. Right. Right? And for, for I think, about a decade, mm. Argentina couldn't borrow money. And, right. and there's nothing got done in Argentina. Yeah, but that's, that's with the greatest respect <clears throat> to Argentina, that's Argentina. It's yeah. not Britain, the fifth largest economy in the world. For now. Yeah. Well, it's been actually well, I'll tell you what, for mate, now for a, quite a long time. You, I've got plenty quite of mates in Argentina time. who look at Britain and politics in Britain today and they're laughing and calling us a banana republic. Is so that right? It is right. Yeah, yeah. well, let's bring <clears> them <throat> into the show here and let's have a word with them because yeah. I may have right. something to say to them. You know, you can't just because you spent your life cheating at everything doesn't mean <laughs> that you could actually start lecturing us about fucking democracy. Thanks very much indeed. They're the ones that had fucking Eva Peron. They did. wandering about and sort of promising everybody everything would be fine as long as you just keep singing. You know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think you're confusing. I think you're confusing. Madonna the played her. The musical yeah. with the real. What life. are you saying? She didn't sing. Well, it's weird actually because every political party in Argentina yeah. now describes themselves as peronistas. Yeah. You know because you, she is so sacred to mm. Argentinian memory. Yeah. That you can't say, oh no, we disagree with Peron's right. policy. So you've effectively got the equivalent of the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. She's like Princess Diana. To both them, calling she? themselves Peronistas. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, she is godlike. What happened to that ghastly woman who was president for Christina a while? Christina Kirchner. Wanted to, who wanted to come and get She's, to Falkland Islands She again. might come back. She, she fucked it all up, didn't she? She, she is completely crooked. Yeah. She's one of these, uh, again, one of these people who try to pretend that she's the new Peron. And yeah. when I was there... The streets of Buenos Aires were just full. They call them las casarolas because mm. they take out their casserole pans right. and bang them oh, with yeah. wooden spoons. Okay, and the whole street becomes this fascinating cacophony, culture, yeah. cacophony of noise, right. protesting for her. Right, and yet she was the one who was screwing the farmers right. and everyone into the ground. Right, she is. But she was making all the right noises about taking back the Falklands, which they love. Yes. Right? Oh no, they love a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Las Malvinas. Las Malvinas. Right. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing. Um, Talking about, you know, economies and the future and all of that, 
I don't believe this business that we will all be working less and having more leisure time because there's simply not enough money to go around. Mm. I really don't see that. You know, people are, some people are working harder now than they've ever worked. But what are people going to do? I know do you and I aren't. But so, no, well, they can't automate us. No, that's true. Thankfully. Not yet. They haven't developed a bullshit very well but what are all these people going to do? Everything's getting automated more yeah. and more. So surely there's going to be more leisure time and there's going to be more opportunity for people yeah, to do things. Yeah, but isn't that why we do. now live in a service economy, though? Because there will still be restaurants. You can't automate yeah. a restaurant, right? No. You can't automate cooking, really. No. So you can't automate bars. Yeah. You can't really automate, um, you know, the service industry who will wash your clothes yeah. or dry, you know, or, you know, I don't know, well, dry I clean you your clothes. Well, you can, can't you? Well, yeah. I suppose so, but I mean... I bet you someone will invent an uh, e-dry cleaner or I mean, one like of the things I found fascinating when I first went to Actually, live in America... Actually, that business, that, going door-to-door. -door. You know, there is, I think there is one. Clothes. I've seen it advertised right. on the tube. Right. You know, but the thing is, right, um, when I first moved to America from London, I was amazed at how much there was that you could get done or have somebody else do for you. Yeah. You know, which we hadn't quite got, but now we yeah. have. Yeah. You know, we've got the Deliveroo guys, we've got Just Eat. I mean, I yeah. don't want my pizza delivered... On a drone, thanks. No. So no matter what, you're going to need somebody to drive the, uh, you know, drive the, <laughs> the motorbike yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't really. I mean, I don't foresee in our lifetime um, being driven around by driverless cars. Do you not? I, really oh, I definitely think that's I think happen. that's going to be a while away. That will. I think it'll happen much quicker than. I you love know. the dilemmas that they're finding though with these. Have you read some of the stuff that they're doing? Because there's some don't research. Don't tell me now. That well, the I'm research just they're doing. It. Well, the research they're doing <laughs> in California, right? where they've got situations, because the problem is is that these driverless cars keep running over people, right? Yeah. Because if they go wrong somehow, they can't make a moral judgment on what to do. <laughs> so, for example, if you're driving towards, you know, um, a zebra crossing, say, yeah. um, and, there's a, and, and you put your brakes on and the car starts to skid somehow, yeah. and to the left there's an old woman with a, um, you know, a shopping trolley, to the right there's a group of school children. Yeah. The electric uh, driverless car... Can't go for the old woman. No, doesn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. Unlike what we would do, we just would go. We obviously can't run the kids over. You'll have to run the old woman over, right? You have to make that decision. Yeah. Right. You have to decide which it's way like to go. That, um, psychological test that they yeah. do. Have you heard this one, right? Yeah. I think it goes like this: You're stood on the top of a railway bridge, yeah. and you see a runaway train yeah. coming towards a group of railway workers okay. right, who haven't seen it. Right. But there's a woman on the bridge with you and you know if you can push that woman in front of the train mm. to her death right. the train will stop and okay. not kill the six railway right. workers down the road what okay. do you do? do depends. you pick the woman up and throw her over it depends the depends if you're married to her <laughs> I suppose isn't it? <laughs> sorry you could stand you could hang around for ages waiting for that opportunity yeah you could <laughs> well, look so hang on, on train. no no stay 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 <laughs> or would you do the most selfless thing throw, throw yourself, yourself. Ah, over the bridge. Do you know what? No one ever says that for you me. See? You are the most compassionate human yeah. being. That's, that's very unusual. That Nobody's ever said that to me in my life. <laughs> yeah. But listen, go back to the um, to the power car, right? So, so I'm thinking it's a hot dog. I've got a great big suitcase, right? I'm thinking, Christ Almighty, you know, I've got to walk all the way over there. I don't even know at this point whether there anything's you know operational. So, yeah. um, I saw a Marriott, um, one of these Marriott um, buses, and I hailed it and run it down, and it was full of people. And I said to the guy, "Here's twenty bucks. He take me to the terminal." He's like, "Yeah, sure." So, <laughs> I was Americans, going anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, was, the Americans <laughs> love money, right? So they drop me at the terminal. Get to the terminal. It's absolutely rammed. People sitting on the floor. You know, there's no air conditioning. The doors yeah. are all open. Looking up at the screens are all black. Nothing happening. Horrible. It was horrendous. There were people. I mean, there were people fainting. I mean, it was that bad. You know, there's some old Scottish guy because I was flying back to Glasgow, yeah. who had to be taken away in an ambulance because I think he had a stroke or something. Oh. You know, yeah. 
at the middle of it all, uh, I'm sort of standing near the front, looking, trying to see what's going on. And this guy starts walking through, you know, people are literally sitting on the floor, and it's been a real pain in the ass, like trying to get to the front. Yeah. And it turns out he's from Brazil, this guy, right? Yeah. He gets to me. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going over there. I said, what are you going over there for? I said, nobody's going anywhere. There is no point in going anywhere. And he said, he looks at me, he goes, who do you think you are, God? Yeah. And I said, no, I don't think I'm fucking God. But I said, you should go back there and sit down. If something yeah. happens, you know, you yeah. won't, you don't worry about it. You'll yeah. get your plane. Yeah. And he, he leaned back to try and punch me. You're kidding. Yeah. And luckily somebody sort of grabbed him and took, took, took wow. him away. But people were getting very worked wow. up. Oh my God. Because we'd been there for about two hours by this yeah. time. And no, there was no news. news at all. Eventually... They somehow got the, um, uh, they got a generator working. So Because, I mean, again, they didn't have a generator. And they decided that they could allow all the international flights to go, but not the domestic ones. Yeah. And, I mean, I think this was after 9-11. Because I remember thinking to myself, this is unbelievable, because there was no security. They were just like, just run. Jesus Everyone Christ. was running through the security gate to get to the planes that were taking off. And the best bit about it was when I got to, um, to Glasgow Airport, I come off, right, and there's a reporter and a photographer there. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, uh, oh, excuse me, sir, have you just come from uh, New York? I said, yeah, I have, actually, yeah. He said, all oh, right. He said, can you tell us what happened? And I said, uh, well, I could do. I said, where are you from? He said, we're from the Scottish Sun. I said, well, you probably don't really want me to quote to be quoted. Uh, why not? I said, because I'm the editor of the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy said, we'll, we'll just put your name in and we'll say you're from Garnet Hill. So I said, yeah, fair enough. You ran in the paper. They quoted me, Mark Gray from Garnet Hill. Brilliant. It was very funny. But I mean, Unusual that... for them because they would normally just sit in the office and make it all up. Well, it? that's very true. And especially if Peter Cox had still been the editor. But Peter Cox had gone to the Daily Record by this time. Coxie, oh, oh God, he was a hard bloke to work for. Well, he and I had some uh, fantastic run-ins. I mean, I was there yeah. three days, yeah. right? Piers had said to me, yeah. you know, go up and... Um, you know, sort out the uh, the mirror because this Peter Cox guys and fucking ruin it. Because he used to yeah. nick stories all the time yeah. and put them in the record yeah. after they'd been exclusive to the mirror and the mirror were holding them out, you know, and stuff like that. So we did it to him and he went fucking apeshit. Yeah. I was his deputy for a while. Were you? Oh, yeah, on, on the on the mirror. And he was such a hard bastard. To oh, because he was on the night, no, he was the night yeah. editor, wasn't he? Because what happened was he came to the mirror as deputy editor from The Sun, where he'd been sort of tutored by Kelvin McKenzie. Right. And uh, then Rupert Murdoch. And he got sent to New York. He got sent to the New York paper. Yeah. And apparently, and the editor at the New York paper thought, right, I'll just buzz off and leave yeah. him to it. Because, yeah. you know, that was the story, idea. Yeah. And he, the story I heard was that he, they had a very urbane Chinese American uh, designer right. who would draw the front page. Yeah. And on day one, Peter Cox walked up to this guy, Tony J or G or something, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. And said, here, this is what the one page wants yeah. to look like. And he went, okay, no problem, leave it with me. And I came back about an hour later and looked over this guy's shoulder. And it wasn't exactly as he mm. did. And Coxie sort of made Chinese eyes, you know, and went, no, no, Peter say you do like this, you know. And this guy turned around and said, what the fuck, man? You know, anyway, so Murdoch phoned Mackenzie yeah. and said, this guy's an absolute disaster. You've yeah. got to get him back to, yeah. to London. So he takes him back. And then he well, I think it was back worse than that the because I then the, the other version of that I heard, which includes that, but yeah. also then includes the next day yeah. when he came in and some guy <laughs> was wandering around the uh, newsroom. Uh, Cox didn't like the look of him, yeah. so uh, basically kind of went up to him and said, "You know, what the fuck are you doing here?" Yeah. 
um, you know, get off my fucking editorial floor, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, it was Marty Singerman, who was Rupert's kind of right-hand man in America Fantastic. at the time. Fantastic. And that was fucking the end of him. So when Coxie was a, was really nasty to me a couple of times. and He's nasty to everyone. Yeah, so I remember when he was on holiday once and a job came up and I was desperate to get away from, from him, so yeah. I applied for it. Yeah. And then he came back and we had this whole day where we were working quite amicably yeah. together. And just as I said, right, Peter, that's me, good night, he said, oh, by the way... You ever think you can go behind my fucking back and expect me to support you in a job? You're joking, you stupid idiot. Like that. And so, really? yeah, so that was that. So, anyway, when he had his leaving do, he got slightly got my revenge because right. he, he had his leaving do and he was driving a big Land Rover down from north to south in Africa. Right. This was his thing. And we did him a front page where he had uh, the headline was him. It, in a sort of like native kind of costume, right. and the he- and the headline was Cunty Coxie, <laughs> <laughs> with K's, of course. But he, I mean, he hated it when he saw it, which delighted yeah. me. No, well, there's a lot of very interesting stories about him. Some of which will only be told probably after his demise. Yeah. Um, some of which may appear in my book. Yeah. Um, but his wife. Uh, was an interesting woman. She was um, a, a sort of sub-editor. That's right. And much taller than him. That's right. And she did a book uh, with a very famous Rangers Italian footballer called Lorenzo Amoruso. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. And uh, there's some very interesting stories around Amore, that. Amore, Yeah, he's the guy who, uh, when Rangers won the title, I think it must have been when um, uh, Big Eck was still in charge, you know, yeah. um, Alec, uh, what's his name? You know, who ended up with doing the Scottish job. Uh, oh, God, yeah. Um, what's his bloody name? Yeah, you remember in a second. Yeah, it'll come. Anyway, he um, he was the manager, I think. It was when Rangers were doing that business of, of basically beating Celtic quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and Lorenzo Amoruso came out at the end of uh, the... You know, they won the cup or something like that. And there was question marks about whether he was going to stay in Scotland. Yeah. And they said to him, uh, so, Lorenzo, you know, you've just won the cup. You know, how long are you going to stay... Uh, you're going to be here next season and he said famously he looked into the camera and he had this big long hair he was like one of these you know like Milton Alex McLeish was it? Alex McLeish yeah. yeah and he said Larry Rangers is my life <laughs> you know literally the next day he was off back to Italy <laughs> yeah. where he signed with Napoli or somebody yeah. you know so he didn't even stay yeah. but anyway yeah lots of funny stories about Peter Cole. well so one just one more not to pile on him too much but I remember I don't even think he's I think he might be back at the sun now because he? well he got fired from the mirror Did finally, he? from the record rather finally because well, there were two things that he really cocked up which didn't please, you know, the head boys in London. Yeah. One was um, when Gordon Brown and his wife had their first child who was still born, in fact. Well, was yeah. he still, was still he, born? I no, think. he died, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not I sure think whether so. he lived a few hours. Or yeah, a few hours, yeah, yeah, but basically yeah. was, you know, yeah. and, and they had a picture of Gordon Brown coming out of the hospital looking yeah. pretty glum and he did a front page with a picture of him saying, why so glum? Yeah. God. That was the first You're thing. Yeah. And then the second thing was when the the record sent a whole bunch of reporters and photographers down to Newcastle because they'd heard that Celtic were having their Christmas party down there. Yeah. And it all went wrong, ended up with people getting punched, people yeah. falling into canals and stuff like that. Yeah. And it turned out that basically it had all been kind of stunted up yeah. by the record. Right. You know, really? And they fell out massively with Celtic football club, right, right. which you can't really you do. You can't do that. I mean, you can be reasonably sort of critical, yeah. but you can't kind of, you know, yeah. take them on because yeah. they're too powerful. So I I remember very early on in my in very early on in Piers's editorship actually, and P, and Cox was Peter Cox was the night editor yeah. at that point, which is like a very important job. You're in, the, in charge of basically the whole production unit. Yeah, know. you're deciding pretty much what goes where, yeah. how you present it. You right. write the big headlines, you mm. design the pages, and 
there was a story about a guy who had that skin, a black guy who had that skin pigmentation oh, thing right. that Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson had. Yeah. Right. So he was going white all yeah. the time. And the headline that Peter put on it was, I used to be black, but I'm all white now. Right. And I looked right. at this and I thought, no, that's just, that's just fucking racist. Yeah. You know, that is, that is yeah. out and out racist. And I remember Piers coming out of his office and looking at me and I sort of nudged my head towards yeah. the screen. And Piers it's also in. not very Daily Mirror, is it? No, I mean... It very was, Sun, it was sort of very, 1978. Yeah, horrible. The worst yeah. of the Sun. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, and we had an Asian, an Indian uh, chief sub-editor called Pratima, brilliant... Oh, yeah, I'm a yeah. Brilliant character. And Piers came over and said, you sure about that headline, Peter? It looks maybe like it's like the most fucking racist thing I've seen this week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and people ah, no, it's all right, it's a bit fun, isn't it? A bit of fun, yeah. like, you know? And Piers said, called Pratima over and said, what do you think of this headline? And she just looked at it with absolute derision, yeah. you know, and just said, change it. And yeah. walked back to her desk, yeah. you know? And that's so, but but to be fair to Peter, mm. there were a dozen characters like that who'd all come through that kind of sun yeah. environment, yeah. and under Kelvin, and that's all they knew, and that's how they yeah. they all wanted to be Kelvin yeah. McKenzie. They all, and unfortunately, you know, Kelvin, whatever anyone thinks about him, has a, a unique talent yeah. in, in tabloid journalism. Yeah. He knows how to. Although even he has said recently, yeah. he couldn't do it now because in the current no, climate no, he, in which we no. live. He wouldn't be He'd able never to be, get away be a boss. Yeah. And he wouldn't be able to do the kind of stories that he did or That's write right. the kind of headlines that he wrote. That's you know? right. And he accepts that. But Thank Cox God. and I, yeah, I mean, Cox and I kind of uh, got into this feud very early on um, because of the fact that, you know, I'd basically done what he was always doing to the mirror. Um, and he went apeshit. And, yeah. and it got to such an extent where he rang, I remember he rang me at home, he started shouting down the phone to me. And yeah. I just said, look, mate, I don't know who the yeah. fuck you think you're talking to. Right. But one, you're shorter than I am, you're older than I am, so yeah. you want to fucking come over yeah. and come have it, come, yeah. come and have something. Yeah. You know? um, I went in the next day, and it was all this, you nice know. Uh, no, oh no, 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 the right. feud went on for a while. Oh, really? It got so bad um, that I was ringing up um, IT down in London, because they were basically, because I came in and, and our news editor was quite a clever guy, and he knew where all the bodies were buried at the, the record, he knew how to get yeah. into all of their baskets. Yeah. He said, they've locked us out of everything. Right. You can't see anything. And we couldn't run the mirror in Scotland without what they had. Of right? course. Yeah. So I called London. I said, right, cut them off. Racing, sport, everything. Right. Cut them all off. Bloody hell. So they, so they couldn't get Because he started threatening. As I said to Piers, this guy's now threatening not to allow the mirror to be printed. That's just ridiculous. In Scotland. I said, it's yeah. our printing plant, I believe. So maybe we should be telling him. And Piers loved it because he yeah. thought it was hilarious. Because, of course, Cox kept sending him emails which Piers would ping to me yeah. about what's this wanker doing now, little bastard, you know. And he had this huge, and I used to say he was a bit like Herbert Lom in those Pink Panther films. Yeah. Every time he heard my name, he sort of twitched yeah. And he had this huge office, right, because he was such yeah. a little Napoleon figure. Yeah. And he would sit in there and he refused to meet me. Yeah. even Because he got to such an extent that the chief executive guy had to broker a meeting between us, right? Um, and he refused to attend it. Oh he said he would God. send Murray Foote, who was his deputy, Bloody but man. he wouldn't go, He wouldn't meet me. It was hilarious. Strange guy. And then when he eventually went, yeah. unfortunately by that stage, um, Piers had, had lost power that, because Sly and Bailey had, yeah. had come in. And Because I'd said to him that, you know, you promised me if I could get rid of Peter Cox, I'd get his job. And he's like, I can't do it. It's out of my hands. You know, it's not, it's not my train set yeah. anymore. He used to phone me at nine in the morning, like when yeah. I was the late night editor. So, so I'd, you'd already been up till I'd be, three. I'd finish work at three o'clock. I'd go back to that. So it'd be four, th and yeah. you're always buzzing, you know, so it'd probably be about four or five o'clock yeah. before I got some sleep. Right. And he'd phone at nine. So wake me up. I'd yeah. phone it up and say, what the fuck did you do that on page 17? For yeah, yeah. Piers is furious. Right. You know? Absolutely furious. And so sometimes that wouldn't even be true. You'd better have some good answers when you come in. 
So you'd spend the rest of mm. your day shitting yourself about yeah. what was waiting for you right. when you got in. You got in and paid not a word, right. not a dicky book, yeah. nothing. I got that from Craig McKenzie once when I stayed in to do the night of the Diana um, Panorama interview. Yeah. You know, where it was there's three of us in this marriage, which was incredible by yeah. itself, right? Bombshell, yeah. But not only that, but the Express being what it was, it was in the final days of the sort of Nick Lloyd editor's um, sort of, you know, jamboree. And Nick Lloyd went home at seven o'clock. You know, we sat out, we sat together sort of for about an hour plotting what we would do because we knew that first edition, we'd only have about an hour or less yeah. to get the first edition away. Yeah. And the first headline that came out was something like, um, I will not go quietly. So I went, right, I will not go quietly. Bang, let's go. Yeah. By fucking 20 minutes later, it was, you know, there were three of us in the marriage. Yeah. I'm going, for fuck's right. sake. Bring that one back. Third yeah. edition, yeah. you know, yeah. slip, blah, whatever. Yeah. But the deputy editor was off. Craig McKenzie was a night editor, off. Yeah. Um, editor gone so it was me and yeah. a guy called Ian Walker who you know yeah. Yeah. who was the news editor basically putting this whole thing together yeah. right and it was so good <laughs> that we were doing we'd already mapped out we'd do sort of you know one, four, five, maybe six, seven if it was any good yeah. we started we're going fucking one to eleven yeah, so, you know we're doing it all pile it on, you yeah. know pile it all on yeah. and I did that thing and I was quite inexperienced as a production guy in those days because I'd come from the other side but I did that thing that I'd seen Time Magazine do which is to take like six different poses and make so like four or five, right? Six yeah, different yeah, headshots yeah, yeah, all across the yeah. top. Run the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Split it up with a few subdecks. Yeah. And you know, which is what, funnily enough, the mail did the following day right. in a supplement. But because we hadn't broken it up enough, I get a phone call, and we'd been out till about four thirty in the morning because we'd gone off to a nightclub. Going, yeah. you know, this is amazing. This yeah. is the greatest story ever. Great job. Done, um, man. you know, fantastic job. We took yeah. the pages with us, looking at them in this nightclub, surrounded by members of the police and hookers and yeah, all this somewhere yeah. around the back of Knightsbridge you know <laughs> went home and thought what a great night's work fantastic yeah. I get a phone call from Craig McKenzie at about half past eight um, giving me the same sort of shit yeah. saying you know Nick's really upset why did you why did you not break the story up more you should have done six seven different oh, I'm like do you know what why don't you fuck off maybe yeah. you should have been there don't fucking call me and fucking tell me I didn't do a good job. Yeah. You should have fucking been a slam. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went back to bed, but I woke up and I thought, that's it for me. That's yeah. the end of my fucking career. Screwed. I'm going to walk in there and one, they're going to fire me for insubordination or for being shit. One yeah. of the two. I'm not sure. Yeah. And in the end, it was fine. Oh, you know. I mean, the best Craig story. I and mean, we should say, we both love him dearly. We do. Right. Very much. Very, very good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, when Diana died... I remember getting the phone call at four in the morning right. and being told, right, Diana's dead. Right. John Moorhead was yes. the uh, night editor. He said, right. can you get in straight away? I lived about 20 minutes from the office, so yeah. I was one of the first in. Yeah. And we started, obviously, producing yeah. you know, a 96-page paper, which was right. the most we could print. Mm. Within about an hour and a half... You couldn't print enough papers. The place that, was full, right? And it was, right. The, it was the Sunday. And, and traditionally, on a Sunday for, for the Monday edition, yeah. the newspapers... It's a quiet have a little, sort of day, yeah. Yeah, and they'll have a rotor of people who edit the paper. Yeah. So the main editor won't be there, but there'll be a rotor. And it was Craig's turn to mm. edit the paper. Right. So anyway, this is the biggest story in the history of stories. Yeah. And the place is full. And everyone's going, where's Craig? Where's right. Craig? Because he, he was meant to be editing Editing the paper. of the day, yeah. Anyway, Craig, at about half past 11, yeah. wanders in through the room, right. looks around him, sees the place buzzing, and says, have I missed much? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, I've heard a couple of versions of the story as well. Is it not one where he's listening to CDs or something on the way no, to that's work? It. He was listening to CDs that he hadn't in his heard. car, so he but, didn't even switch to the But that still doesn't explain how he didn't hear before he left the house. No, he didn't put the TV Because I did one of those, because, I mean, these are great, great stories to tell, because I, I was in Wiltshire at the time yeah. um, with my, my kids who are now much older and their mother, and I think we'd been out for dinner or something quite late. So I remember sitting... Um, 
basically sipping a glass. Everybody had gone to bed. I was sort of sitting, um, sipping some brandy, listening to some music or something like that. And my sister rang and said, uh, have you seen the news? And in those days, there was no 24-hour sky right. or anything yeah. like that. You know, we're talking, what, 1987? Yeah. Um, have you seen the news? And I said, uh, what? And I was a bit pissed. I said, what do you mean? What news? She said, Diana, it's dead. Yeah. And I said, what, you read, what are you reading the fucking National Enquirer or something? I said, what are you talking about? She's yeah. like, no, she's dead. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And I went, what? And I put on CFAX, which yeah, was the only thing right, I had. That's right, yeah. Right? And it wasn't on there. Yeah. Right, yet. Because she'd somehow been watching, because of course, like in America, it was five hours pounds holiday to Tenerife. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was like, you know, do the lottery numbers. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, what is going on? So I rang. Um, I rang, I think I rang the office because it was a seven-day operation in those days. So, you know, there were people in doing work on the Sunday Express, you know. So I rang, you know, I got Tessa Hilton, who yeah, was the yeah. deputy editor. Um, and I said, uh, hi, Tessa, it's Mike Graham. Oh, hi, Mike. I said, why has nobody rung me? I said, the fucking, you know, the biggest story in the world has happened. I was the night editor. Yeah. I said, what's going on? She said, oh, oh yeah, Dinah's dead. I said, well, you know, thanks for telling me. Thanks for the job, you know. didn't you? And uh, I said, well, I'm coming in. She said, oh, do you think you need to? Yeah, I said, are you joking? Was I she said, of course I'm coming. Did you she came, yeah, yeah, she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and she was editing the Sunday that night. You right, know? right. So she, that's why she, she didn't was want in. any interference. Well, early, I guess, maybe. And, uh, maybe. And because they actually did really well, because they put out a 6 a.m. edition. That's right. Um, yeah. Which hit the streets at sort of 9 o'clock. Yeah. And... Uh, she said, and she said something really weird, which I can only assume I've put down to her being sort of in a panic. She sort of said, she said to me, I don't know where everybody's going to sit. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, well, don't worry, darling. I won't be doing much sitting. I'll mostly be striding up and down, shouting. walking about, shouting, you know. So I then rang Ian Walker, who also yeah. lived like 10 minutes away from me in Wiltshire, right? Yeah. And I rang, I said, uh, he answered the phone. And I said, have you fucking heard? He went, what? I said, Diana's dead. He said, yeah, I know. I said, well, why have you fucking told me? I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm having a sleep. I said, why? He said, well, I'm going in in about two hours. He said, I'm going to go in at about six. Really? So, you know, the fucking Sunday's taken care of. I don't care about that. Yeah. We're going in to do the daily. I said, well, can I come in with you then? Yeah. He went, yeah, okay. So I drove to his house, um, and then he, we both drove up together. Amazing. And we literally worked, as I'm sure you did, yeah. pretty much around the clock for about for the, seven days. For the next until, seven days. Until the funeral. So the first time I remember getting out of the office... Mm really, apart from just going home to sleep for three or four yeah. hours, was I went on the day before uh, the funeral, mm. I went to Kensington Palace to see the flowers. Right. I, I just I wanted to yeah. see it, you know. And I remember... Well, it's amazing how many people I knew, I didn't yeah. actually do it, but loads of people I knew did yeah. and were really touched by well, it. Well, what you know? struck me was, I mean, it was it was incredible. It was very hot, very dusty, yeah. and very quiet. And the just, smell was quite interesting, It was right? very, very quiet. Fragrant. Yes. Yeah. And... What struck me though was along that there's that long wall, which yeah. is the wall for the road that mm. goes up to the back. There were it was filled full of deliveries from Interflora. Right. So not people who'd come and laid flowers, right. but people who just spent fifty quid and sent flowers. Wow. So there's this procession of Interflora guys just yeah. bringing another bouquet like all the time. Oh, it was incredible. incredible. We'll never see anything like that. No, amazing time. And funnily enough, when we did the fight, the sort of the final, um, I suppose, act was the funeral itself. Yeah. Um, and by which time we'd all become slightly kind of, I suppose, jaded by it all. And I remember yeah. going, a bunch of us going, finally sending the last paper off on, on the on the edition for the funeral, going off to the Oxo Tower, yeah. um, where we all just started drinking champagne and doing that thing. And people were actually like kind of um, 
kind of uh, almost wincing. Yeah, judging you. Watching yeah, us yeah, going, yeah. what the fuck? And we sort of had to stop doing it because yeah. we were laughing. Yeah. Because the Princess Diana jokes had started, you yeah. know, you know, what's, what's her favourite car to drive? You yeah. know, there was all sorts of stuff, which I suppose in retrospect you would go, oh, well, you know, that's in bad taste and all yeah. that. Um, but the but truth I, is, and I know people say this, and they probably when people hear it, they probably think, oh, that's just bollocks and they mm. just make an excuse. But the truth is, you couldn't do a job like that unless no. you were having some yeah. joke while it was going on. Yeah, you know, otherwise it would just be relentless like, yeah. depression. I'm not going to make out that it's like being in the police force or anything like that, but it is, yeah. you know, you're, there are stressful things and there are, I mean, I remember seeing the picture, which I don't know if you've yeah, seen, I've seen it, yeah. of her sitting in the back it of the car with, in the blood blood with the blood coming down, out of yeah. her face and an yeah. incredible picture. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think it may well prove that that's why I was slightly deranged. I was at one point saying we should use it. Yeah, you know, right. Because I wanted to, because I thought, right. I think we should see this. You yeah. know, why are we not showing it? Well, the minute Piers came, I remember Piers coming in at about six o'clock in yeah. the morning or something. He had a bit of a longer trip. Yeah. And and Ian Down was the picture editor. Right. And he called him over very discreetly and said, look, Piers. Yeah. And Piers, he, the minute he saw it, he just said, wipe them all off the system. Yeah. Now. So they were, because of course he recognised that it was the chase for those pictures. Yeah. That would be blamed for yeah. for her death, yeah. you know, which was although which was the whole guys, story, which yeah, is absolutely true. Yeah, it was, um, but it was slightly more nuanced. I never forgave that uh, brother of hers for getting Dex, up in Westminster yeah, Abbey Spencer. and making that speech. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, but uh, the, the private eye got it right, I think, in their own inimitable style. They had a cover of mourners outside Buckingham Palace, and it had one saying, "It's the bloody newspapers' fault." I know they're terrible, aren't they? Here, read all about it. I've got yeah. my copy in the yeah. car. You know, it's yeah. kind of, and it, the truth is yeah. that newspapers are only responding to consumer yeah. demand. You know, so if you look at something in a best-selling newspaper mm. and think that it's a bad reflection of the newspaper, yeah. it's also a bad reflection yeah. of society. At the whole. I think so. Yeah. That's a good place to end. That is on that bombshell. We are the Thought Police. We are. I've got plenty Quite of mates in Argentina time. who look at Britain and politics in Britain today and they're laughing and calling us a banana republic. Is so that right? It is right. Yeah, yeah, well, let's bring them into the show here and let's have a word with them because yeah. I may have right. something to say to them. You know, you can't, just because you spent your life cheating at everything doesn't mean that you could actually start lecturing us about fucking democracy. Thanks very much indeed. They're the ones that had fucking Eva Perón. They did. wandering about and sort of promising everybody everything will be fine as long as you just keep singing. You know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think you're confusing. I think you're confusing Madonna the musical, played the music yeah. with the real. What are you saying? She didn't sing. So anyway, this is the biggest story in the history of stories. Yeah. And the place is full, and everyone's going, "Where's Craig? Where's right. Craig?" Because he was the he was meant to be editing the paper. Today, yeah. Anyway, Craig, at about half past 11, yeah. wanders in through the room, right. looks around him, sees the place buzzing, and says, have I missed much? <laughs> Unbelievable. I think it goes like this. You're stood on the top of a railway bridge, yeah. and you see a runaway train yeah. coming towards a group of railway workers okay. right, who haven't seen it. Right. But there's a woman on the bridge with you, and you know if you can push that woman in front of the train mm. to her death, right. the train will stop and okay. not kill the six railway workers right. down the road. What okay. do you do? Do depends. you pick the woman up and throw her over depends the Depends if you're married to her, <laughs> I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> Ha 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 ha!
I'm like, do you know what? Why don't you fuck off? Maybe yeah. you should have been there. Don't fucking call me and fucking tell me I didn't do a good job. Yeah. You should have fucking been a slap. Yeah. 